0: successful international franchise group sounds attractive right you're in the right place It's Brian here from Franchise Simply as you know we're here to bring you good news and information about all things franchising and today's topic is specifically of interest I think for up and coming growing franchise groups and indeed established ones that want to move a further afield than just Australia and it's becoming a very popular um, activity so um, with regards to that I um, I'm a bit of buzz here because today's rather special. (laughs) It's the first time I've been interviewing two people at once, so I've got a duo and um, a really fascinating couple of people I have with me as well. I'd like to introduce you to Daniel Rogers and Rick Saunders and um, they've both been involved in the health industry for many years, um, specialising in chronic pain. Um, Their business is called Back Solution Clinic and uh, I suppose their background that got them here, their journey was um, and we'll share some of this with them, but it's basically they both suffered chronic back injuries over the years, fairly actively from a point of view of being sports people and so on. And they've worked, they each worked with a number of specialists from around the place quite extensively, trying to get healed. And it's not an uncommon story, is it? I mean, I suffered for 30 years from back problems. I know that finding somebody that can just pinpoint the problem and fix it. It's just absolute gold, and they, they've done that very successfully. So they've created their own um, practitioner, if you like, to do this. But they've not just been involved in, in back solutions. Um, they've both got experience in the in the general workplace. They've, uh, they've worked with a lot of uh, sporting clubs, Olympic athletes, as well as a number of other acute and chronic patients, uh, back pain patients and so forth, both Australia and internationally. And, The interesting thing is they they come to franchising and their their practice as already being entrepreneurs. They both had a number of high-profile business projects they've been involved in in the past. So having said all that, um, Daniel and Rick, hi there. Lovely to talk to you.
1: Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to have this chat with us.
0: Oh, look, not at all. I'm often being asked about the sorts of things that you're going to be able to share with us with regard to your experiences of of going to this move and so on. I know it's fairly recent, so we'll dig into that. So perhaps can you tell me, expand a bit beyond what I just said as your intro about your background and how you came to launch a franchise in, indeed in the in the health industry?
1: Yeah, so for me personally, I've been uh, doing this for about oh, 13 years or so now, and uh, my co-founder, Rick Saunders, nearly 20 years um both of us we didn't know know each other at the time but we were both suffering with chronic back pain conditions debilitating back pain we should say and um i was always looking for a solution Uh, i couldn't find a solution Uh, there's a lot of brilliant modalities and practitioners out there but nothing seemed to really be effective and work for myself so that sort of took me on a journey to go study health um i studied health for a number of years and then sort of moved into this space that we're in now all those years ago and um I suppose when we we see people on a day-in, day-out basis now, I mean, we just want to be able to help as many people as we can. We've seen people from all over the world. We've dealt with some of the best athletes in the world, locally and internationally. And um, we believe that we've got a a solution for a lot of back pain with our our patients and our clients. And the, the reason to coming about this franchise now is to try and pass on as much knowledge as we possibly can for potential physical therapists over in the United States and give them a fantastic opportunity to own their own clinic.
0: So okay. that's, uh,
2: that's my story there.
0: Right. Anything you want to add to that, Rick?
2: Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Uh, it's, it's more looking, obviously at our experience of, of sort of helping uh, patients. and uh, It's like any business uh, you've obviously got your product or your service, uh, but it's, it's also building, a business around that and, and, and running it at a profit and, and that's a real challenge and uh, definitely over a 20-year period setting up multiple clinics. Um, if you get in there and uh, you spend too much money on the fit out, too much money on marketing and bringing people in, uh, oftentimes you might have on the surface a, a very successful enterprise but uh, profitability-wise not so much. So, I think what we really want to bring to the table from a franchising point of view is just a model that, that works, that actually allows practitioners to, to carry out very effective work, uh, but to also run a, um, you know, a decentralised business that uh, allows them to be very
0: profitable as well. Let's bring a couple of questions on you here. What, what do you think it is that makes your system work and make it profitable? Because it's very important. What you said there is so true of so many businesses, um, conventional sort of bricks and mortar and so on, plus other franchises I look at, you know, at the end of the day, is the bottom line there for everybody. So what's your key couple of things you think that's made yours work?
2: Yeah, the two main things is obviously the setup costs. Um, obviously a lot of clinics uh, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get the door open. Um, we feel that there's probably a little bit of waste involved in that. Uh, so we have a very low cost model. We, we aim to utilise synergistic spaces, either with a you know, within a, an existing clinic, maybe a medical clinic where we can get some referrals or, or even just a standalone office space. Um, still allows us to do what we do, but keeps the uh, the outlay very low. Uh, and then the second thing is, is obviously just overheads. Um, again, we've refined our marketing really well. And that's probably the unique thing about what we do is, because we cater to a niche, um, once we help one or two people, it does make a significant impact on their life and the, the likelihood of them telling, Multiple people is really high, so word of mouth becomes a real driver after that initial uh, outlay in your marketing budget.
0: Right, I can well appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, there's lots of different business models, and people try all sorts of things. What, what made you choose franchising? I mean, you both got extensive business experience, so you, you know what you know how to run a business.
1: Yeah, I think um, when we sort of look at it, we we're growing in Australia, and, and we we're growing quite quick to an extent through parts of Melbourne and Sydney and obviously when you've got you know your certain employees and we had i believe it was just under about 50 practitioners and staff all together at one point and a lot of those were sort of your employees but then we really wanted those people to take it to the next level and be those franchise owners so there was a bit of skin in the game and and uh so they could really fulfill their business duties and their missions to actually create a, a great business environment and also have a financially successful business in that sense so We sort of looked at it from that way and a lot of our staff were sort of looking at it going how can we get involved how can we get involved and there probably wasn't the scale in australia to do it so we set up um back solutions in 2015 and purely for the purpose to get this to be a franchise um we wanted a a number of years of proof of concept with our model before we even uh began to even look at it in america but We got to the point where we had five years skin in the game, the the clinic was booming, and it was a no-brainer for us to take our clinic over to America. I mean, there's 260 million back pain sufferers in America, 8 out of 10 on average at any given time. So the market's extremely huge over there. So we can't wait to actually launch over there and uh, really get going with it once uh, a lot of this COVID sort of settled down.
0: Yes, look, and it, it's an attraction for everybody, isn't it? I know my visits to the States, I was blown away in comparison with here. It, it, in some respects, I've always considered it's a lot easier over there because if you hit the spot with marketing, well, you get saturated. It is just right. such a vast marketplace, but um, and lots of big cities. But um, I suppose, why did you choose the US? You could have gone to Europe, you could have done New Zealand and South Africa and Southeast Asia...
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's probably the long-term goal that we will be looking at doing as well. Initially, we wanted to get into America purely because of the market and the opportunity over there. Mm. Um, we we're very fortunate. We met the right people at the right time to launch this with us. And um, as you know, in franchising, it's never just uh, one person or two people that can get off the ground. It's a, it's a collective group of individuals that make something happen. So, we thought that America was the, the right place and the right time for us. And, and as I said, there's 260 million Americans that will suffer with back pain at some point in their life. So America, and also America has a phenomenal amount of high return franchises. I mean, they're, they're very accessible um, over in America. So we thought this was probably the right place for the time being. Um, we're in preliminary talks at the moment to also do England, which should be happening within the next probably 18 months. So yeah, there's a lot to look forward to, but America initially
2: was definitely our main aim for those reasons I've just mentioned. Yeah, I don't no. know what experience has been, Brian, but it's, yeah, we probably felt culturally, um, it's quite normal for businesses to expand with the franchise model over in America. We probably felt that more so than definitely here and, and, and even to in Europe, but um, yeah, I don't know if you've felt that
0: yourself. Yeah, yeah I'm inclined to agree with you there. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, franchising is a world of its own, I think, and it's an international language, um, I, 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 I would consider it. So, uh, yeah, you're, you have a lot of common denominators and a great interest in franchising in the US just as there is here. So you've got, you've got that whole community which sort of there is a, to support you, I suppose. Exactly.
1: So, yeah, we just can't wait to get over there, like I said, once this uh, COVID finishes. But, um, yeah,
0: we're, we're extremely optimistic about where this will be in the next five years. Right. So what model have you chosen? You're living in Australia at the moment. I mean, are you going to move over there, one or both of you? You've got joint venture partners in America or are you sub-franchising it to a national or a local franchisors? How, how are you handling that side of it?
2: Yeah, we've got a, a very strong joint venture partnership in place, uh, which allows us to, to really, if, if we do want to go down that path, just focus on training. So it kind of gives us the option to to uh, likely fly over four or five times a year and just carry out the initial induction and training. Uh, but it also gives us the opportunity um, yeah, to get over there and, uh, and, and help them out and be a little bit more aggressive as well. But uh, yeah, I, I know Daniel is definitely looking at, uh, at sort of moving over there when we're a little bit more established. Um, yeah, so I mean, that will help us having one of us on the ground for sure.
0: Right. So, are they are they established practitioners? Have they got the, the, uh, clinics or whatever themselves? Are they in the same space as you guys? Or what?
2: no, no, no. They, they specialise in, uh, in, in launching and franchising new operations. So yeah, we sort of thought, all right. Well, our skill set to the table is obviously the clinical side. Um, you yeah, know, we've had some experience dabbling in uh, in franchising. We really like that model, but uh, we we really sort out not so much a consultancy type arrangement, but more, yeah, people with runs on the board, but, uh, but have that full, you yeah, full operations in place, but uh, yeah, very much specialise in the franchise expansion model.
0: Okay. Excellent. So, so <laughs> we, we've all had mixed experiences in the last 12 months <laughs> and you, you more so than anybody else, I suspect, <laughs> or more <laughs> than any, um, and you're based in Melbourne, that alone in Australia is sort of probably you suffered the brunt on it. Um <laughs> And uh, and of course, then trying to establish yourself over in the US, where uh, you know the issue continues. Um, well, how's that been? I mean, what's your experience been as far as that's concerned? It was interesting to say
1: the least, um, especially <laughs> like you said, being in Melbourne. But um, we were actually over there in March last year, so we were dotting all the i's, crossing all the t's. We're on the brink of signing all the contracts, ready to go, and um, very fortunately, I've got well, we've got some pretty good contacts over in Australia. And they said, you better get home really quickly because they're about to shut the borders. And uh, we're actually in Denver at the time. And um, yeah, we got the phone call, you better get home, you better get home. And uh, we didn't actually get a chance to sign everything there and then. Uh, we just had to get home because they locked the door, locked the doors to Australia, I think two or three days later. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's made it interesting. Um, I think in one way it's been a blessing in disguise because we're very, very confident in our systems and our process. And obviously, in the industry that we're in, uh, pain doesn't discriminate. Uh, physical therapy in America is an essential service. And we did notice even even being in Melbourne to an extent, um, when people were locked up and at home, there was a lot of people sitting down, less active, or in some cases, people being overactive. And our clinic actually boomed once the uh, once the lockdown's finished in Melbourne. We, we pretty much had the busiest month we've had in October, November, than we have in many years. So it's almost a blessing in disguise. And then obviously in America launching it over there, like I said, there's so many people over there. They've to an extent probably gone about their day-to-day life as usual. I mean, with obviously some limitations over there, but um, yeah, we're just really confident of our system, our process, our business model. So it hasn't really deterred us too much. I, I think um, if anything, it's give us, given us an opportunity to reflect on our business and, and try and improve on certain aspects. But yeah, we're not too concerned about launching a, uh, In the next, uh, well, we've launched already, but yeah, we're not too concerned about uh, proceeding any further with it.
0: Okay, you mentioned in in Australia, certainly when you were looking at this concept, you had something like fifty staff. I think you mentioned. Did how many um, centres or clinics do you actually have operating in this country at the moment?
1: So we've got a number around Melbourne, but the previous one that you're referring to, we had. I believe it was eight or nine across Melbourne and Sydney and we had health clinics. So we had a lot of the physical therapists that, that we were just speaking of. We also had a health clinic there that we had a few doctors working there, holistic doctors helping out with a few things, uh, nutritionists, naturopaths. So we've sort of dabbled in a whole different range of health. So uh, when, like I said, when we had the, the just under 50 people, that was including, you know, admin and, and reception accounts and everything like that. But, um, yeah, that that was interesting because we just wanted these people to really take on ownership of being a a fantastic employee and building on what they already had. had, But, unfortunately, a lot of them uh, just wanted to be the employees. They didn't want to take it that step further.
0: Mm, Yeah. It's not an uncommon issue, particularly in areas like health and so forth. They're not not naturally entrepreneurial and risk-takers. No. Um, And that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. No, that's
1: exactly right. A lot of people, um, they want to be the employee and that's absolutely fine. Um, but then there's also your percentage of people out there that, that really want to take ownership of their lives and move forward for vocationally and financially. So, yeah.
0: so have you actually done that? Do you have a franchise model operating in Australia? Effectively
2: our one now that we've got here. Yeah. Um, yeah so obviously as daniel mentioned before we've got the the proof of concept clinic that daniel are are working uh, out of here in melbourne um but uh as i said the the view was more not to continue doing it in australia but to move straight over into that market over in the states but um
0: yeah yeah that's a bold move i suppose you're going to learn a bit more about franchising when you're over there than than here and uh yeah. And so, yeah. so, yeah, I'll take my hat off to you there. But obviously, you've got the background. It's not, not like you're, you're launching a new concept. I mean, you're launching a new franchise, but it's a well-established model from that point of view. And I'm sure you've learned all the, all the ropes, the highs and lows and so on. Um, yeah, so when you look at franchising with your experience, um, what do you see as being the biggest differentiators that you offer to make sure your franchisees do succeed?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, going back to and you touched on it before. People in the health industry, look, uh, obviously being in health, it will attract people a little bit more ultra, uh, altruistic. They'll, um, yeah, they sort of really want to get in there and help people and do great things. But, uh, but definitely, when it comes to business and you know, accounting and uh, marketing, that it really sort of, sort of puts them off. Yeah. So we we found. Yeah, as Daniel said before, as we expanded, uh, we set up a quasi-franchise type arrangement. We but we probably put people that are more suited to being employees in uh, in positions to run clinics, and uh, and we, we learn our mistakes really quickly. <laughs> yeah. so it really appealed to us about this other model, other than it being a low-cost sort of model, but it it really allows us to to decentralise or sorry centralise the the more complicated business skills required to run these clinics and get really competent people carrying out those tasks and just allow really good practitioners um that have drive and leadership uh to, to sort of get the best of both worlds and uh and run a very successful um sort of franchise clinic that we'd probably argue wouldn't work if they were kind of standalone so
0: I'm, I'm with you yeah you got that network of support and training and i mean obviously techniques methodology from your point of view be a massive part of what you do it's uh, uh, the treatment on. I don't know the details, obviously. I shan't, I shan't sort of dig into that one, but, you know, no doubt it's quite specialised and it's evolving as well. You know, there's different treatments and different concepts come along. People have different ideas, etc., etc. So, cetera. Uh, so you you basically keep ahead of all that stuff. That's your speciality.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, there's a number of clinics sort of around Melbourne, unfortunately, now that have gone under during during COVID. And, and unfortunately, some of those are health clinics. And I was looking at one in my local area the other day and the fit out of that would have been no less than $300,000, $400,000. And uh, you're not going to get a return on that. And that's where we think our model comes in, just an extremely inefficient business model that is obviously going to minimise unnecessary expenses. So that, that's where we see it's going to be a real advantage for our franchisees.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so the ingoing cost investment is not excessive from that point of view. So you can you can attract a broader range of entrepreneurially inclined Franchisees, if
2: you like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think in the beginning we want to expand with actual physical therapists coming on board, so we can kind of get that real balance between driving the mission, uh, creating some real hype around uh, the unique uh,
0: yeah. sort of work we do. So we're sort of in, we're sort of segueing into the natural next question is you know what do you look for when you're looking for a franchisee? Who is your avatar? The profile of your ideal franchisee?
2: Yeah, definitely in the beginning, it's it's more someone who is a physical therapist and uh, they've, they've obviously got that real drive. They're probably at the point where they feel they've progressed as far as they can, either in private clinic or uh, in the public sort of space. Um, yeah, we sort of feel that there's a lot of upside potential in terms of both income and, and challenge um, that uh, this kind of uh, unique franchise model would, would offer that person. So, yeah, definitely... Um, is someone that's you know, four or five years out of uni, probably in their yeah, sort of mid to, to late twenties into their thirties. But um, that's the original, that's the initial sort of target. And then after that, we believe that uh, it'll be as attractive to to investors that want to come on and have multiple units and uh, and actually employ physical therapists, as, uh, you know, and have them as
0: subcontractors on their books. Yeah, you took the wind out of my sails. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, it's 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 a it's a natural step. I think uh, I agree with you. You know, just cuts have done it well. That's what Subway do. You know, there's a lot of examples out there of what I, well we we call the Olympic Rings principle. You know, someone having a centre and then having others spread around it, so they're you're spreading the brand name within a local area. It makes it easier to expand, and and someone who's got what it takes can can you can you can help help and support them as they learn their business and admin and coaching skills. Uh, So uh, I think the experience we see with a lot of groups is they start off with their franchisees. It doesn't matter what the skill set is, you know, whether it's fixing pulls or fixing backs. It's actually them doing the job. Initially, you're training and becoming technicians. But once they get beyond that level, if they've got the aspirations and the skills for going further, it's actually more of business coaching and business management and financials and all those sorts of things that you, you know, you will need to lead into to help them grow, because they're your entrepreneurs, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely right. Okay, so um, if you're doing this again, I mean, it's early days, so perhaps it's premature to spring this on you, but you've already shared some experiences of what you learned here, trying the model, but in a corporate method, in a corporate sort of environment, and finding that it didn't work in the way you'd hoped it would. So you've already learned that one, but I suppose... Are there are other things, if you were doing it again, what would you do differently?
1: Yeah, I think um, being involved with the right people at the right time and just having clear KPIs for you and the people that you're working with so you're all on the same page. Um, I think to answer the question about franchising, I wish... Understanding, you know, franchising. Now I wish we had done this ten years ago because the opportunity, not just for your franchisors but the franchisees, is is phenomenal. It's one of the best business models you can look at. But I think definitely having the the right people on the bus from the beginning and uh, having the right amount of support within your organization and working with those people for one common goal and, and everyone being on the same page, that would definitely be my uh, my piece of advice. And in, in if I had to do it again,
0: no. definitely. Um, I, I didn't do any research to check on this, but are you members of the Franchise Council of Australia?
1: No, we're not.
0: We're uh, I think we're just
1: about in everything at the moment in America, but um, we're not in Australia at the moment.
0: Okay. Because uh, the IFA, the International Franchise Association, has got um, a symposium coming up very shortly, I think, which you may well be aware of. But uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, there's a lot to be learned at those sessions. I think it's mainly online, but not exclusively this year. So... You could actually yeah,
1: that okay. i think a lot on, online but yeah we've uh, we've been going i think it was about when we looked at this a number of years ago i believe it was 2016 2017 we went to a number of different uh, conventions that were having all these expos i believe i went to the melbourne and sydney i believe and, and that's yeah. when we looked at it and said we just have to do this but like i said we needed proof in the pudding we needed runs on the board and we obviously didn't want to to sell a franchise to an individual and not have every system in place. So yeah, when I went to those years back, got a hell of a lot out of them. So for anyone out there that is thinking about it, I definitely recommend going to all these expos and conventions because you learn
0: a hell of a lot. Yeah. In fact, they're back up this year. Last year, we certainly missed because we normally go to them all. And, uh, Hey, they're back up running. So the first one's in Sydney on the twenty sixth, twenty seventh of March, two thousand and twenty one, I think. And then we're off around the country. So uh, good. Look, we may have even spoken then because we're there. Yeah. <laughs> if we're allowed
1: to leave the state, we'll be there.
0: <laughs> oh, I do come by. Stand D twenty five. We look forward to seeing you. So, um, anything else you'd like to add before we just wrap up? Uh, no, look, if,
1: if anyone is out there in the United States that is interested in, in what we're doing, if you're a physical therapist or, or an investor that is looking for a low-cost business model with low overheads, then uh, please feel free to contact us at Back Solutions. Uh, we've got a and proven model across Australia and franchising, franchising into the United States, like I said, with the estimated 260 million people in America that will suffer or experience back from at some point in their life we think we've got a pretty solid model and we can definitely uh, work well together. So you can visit backsolutionclinic.com or backsolutionsfranchise.com or email us at info at backsolutionsfranchise.com. Okay, I'll
0: share those um, in in our our newsletter we send out so that those addresses are there. Okay, look at it. So if anyone wants to have a chat to Daniel Daniel, um, or, or to Rick, uh, do get in touch with them, or otherwise contact me through my usual phone numbers and emails, and through the website, etc. I'd love to do that. Love to hear from you. Look, guys, thank you so much. It's really been interesting. It's great to hear someone who's taken a slightly different path into franchising, because um, I think the way you build up your experience and your knowledge, and then applied it, is really important. And and I'd be with you in your shoes, having franchised a few times myself. That yeah, you look back and say, why didn't why didn't I do it ten years ago? And I think to anyone listening, you know, it does, particularly in these times, opportunities in the next couple of years are going to be vast across the world. Uh, and if you're looking at growing a business model or a concept, I think stepping into franchising, having done your homework, spoken to the right sort of people is critically important. So, look, it's been delightful talking to you both, both both to uh, um, to Daniel and Rick. And, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed our three-way conversation went really well I, I'm really grateful for you giving all your time up today I really am and I, I think everyone join me in saying it's been a privilege um, to have you guys sharing so frankly a lot of your opportunity I I think uh, we've heard a few words of wisdom there so uh, my advice is if you found this of interest replay it and have a listen to it again so if you and um, as I said they've told you where you can uh, you can contact and so forth so look forward to being in touch with you again with our next franchise radio show. Until then, uh, Daniel and Rick, you'd like to just sign off?
1: Right, thank you so much for the opportunity to do this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you, Brian.
0: That's a pleasure. Have a great day, guys, and be in touch with everybody again soon. Thank you. <laughs>